Breathing is one of those things that we do every single day without even thinking about it. But did you know that the way that we breathe can play an important role in how we manage our stress and regulate our nervous system? In today's episode, I'm joined by Marina Kirk, a certified integrative nutrition coach, yoga and meditation teacher, breathwork facilitator, and corporate wellness speaker. In the episode, we chat about her journey from working in corporate HR to starting her own soul-aligned business and how she transitioned to pursuing her passions full-time. We talk about what led her to start her wellness journey and why breathwork is such a powerful healing modality, especially for women. Plus, she shares several tools and techniques you can utilize to help you manage your stress, breathe more efficiently, and positively impact your overall well-being. Welcome to the Blissful Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Weber, and I'm a holistic transformation coach, mindful meditation facilitator, and sound healer. This podcast is designed to empower you to reconnect with your inner wisdom, overcome limiting beliefs, and follow your soul's bliss. Each week, join me for a mixture of solo episodes and conversations with thought leaders and inspiring guests, where we'll explore a variety of tools, tips, and strategies to help you align with your soul's calling, embrace your unique gifts, and create a life of joy, fulfillment, and abundance. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to another episode of the Blissful Soul Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to today's special guest. Her name is Marina Kirk, and she is a stress buster, joy finder, and a holistic wellness coach for women, focusing on stress and burnout prevention in high achievers and entrepreneurs. Her passion is helping people affected by chronic stress feel calm, confident, and resilient. She left a successful career in HR technology to pursue her passion of helping women to feel happier and healthier through realistic and sustainable health habits. She now coaches individuals and works with companies all over the world while traveling full-time. She's a certified integrative nutrition health coach, yoga and meditation teacher, breathwork facilitator, and corporate wellness speaker. So without further ado, welcome, Marina. Thank you, Stephanie. So excited to be here. Hi. Yes, I'm so excited you're here. You know, you and I originally connected through Instagram. And that's you know, right. we, yeah, we stayed in touch. We kind of formed this really beautiful relationship in real life, which I think really speaks to the power and the good side of social media. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I always think about that. I've met so many amazing friends, women, fellow coaches and business owners through Instagram. Um, that's been really lovely to connect with you. I know our backgrounds are super similar. Um, which is always exciting to find someone else uh, on the same path to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been following your journey for a few years now, and I'm really just so inspired by your business and how you've built this beautiful life where you literally get to travel all over the world. I swear every time I open Instagram, you're in a new country, (laughs) which I'm so jealous of you, by the way. Um, (laughs) But I'm really excited to have you on today and to chat about your journey and how you got into all of this and your path with being a digital nomad and just all of the things. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share anything that feels resonant. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So take us back to the beginning. What was kind of your path to 
enter the wellness space and the wellness world? What really got you started on this path? Yeah. So as you heard from my bio, I started out in corporate. Um, I have my master's in HR, was following kind of the traditional path that so many of us follow, especially living in the Midwest. I feel like here, dipping your toes into entrepreneurship is something that is really rare and a little bit foreign. Um, I think people who live on the coasts are a little bit more exposed to that. Um, But here, it's really just that path of going to a Big Ten school, which was the case for me. Then I stayed for grad school right after um, and started working in corporate right away after, after grad school. And did I know that I would be doing what I'm doing today at that time? Absolutely not. But as soon as I started working, I knew that that path was not for me. So for about seven years, I was really trying to decide what else I could possibly do. I had invested so much in my education, my career kept growing. Um, and I was you know, really fortunate um, with the companies that I've worked for, the teams that I had, my managers have been so amazing and so supportive. It really was that internal knowing that what I was doing was not the right path for me. Um, I started in HR because I thought that I would be working with people and helping support people. And as many of us who are in the similar background quickly learn that it really is so focused on company and structure and protecting, um, you know, the company first and foremost. And so that was a really hard realization when I started out there. Um, I was an HR consultant for first three years of my career. And then I went in-house and worked at a startup um, as a program manager on the HR technology team. And really the path to coaching and doing what I do now started with my own burnout journey. So kind of fueled by that lack of purpose and direction in my career that was really weighing heavy on me for so many years because I didn't know what my next path and my next steps would be. And combined with the actual hours of working, of traveling as a consultant, um, I was living first in Chicago and then in New York. And when I got to New York, things really got turned up a notch because I was doing all the things, um, hosting my own events as just part of my side gig at that point with health coaching when I decided to start to pursue this path while working 12-hour days, while being all over the city, um, while still traveling for my clients that I was working with in the corporate world. So a lot of what I do today was born out of that journey of noticing the toll that stress, lack of purpose, anxiety were having on my mental and physical health. So at the time I was experiencing all sorts of things that I now realize are not normal to be experiencing and what I walk my clients through kind of undoing. So yeah, it's been a bit of a a path that I was putting together as I was walking it, I guess you can say. Um, But yeah, I'm really fortunate to now be working with exactly the type of people who were essentially me seven years ago when I didn't know what my next steps were and I was going through so much. Mm, I love that. And that's so interesting, right? Is that when we get into this path of building our own businesses, we're almost using ourselves first as like we are our own first client, right? It's our own journeys that really inspire how we can help others. Yeah, absolutely. I think I just really resonate with the quote of make your mess your message. 
And I think that rings true for so many of us who are just exploring this path, right? I think the easiest entry point to whatever it is that might be your quote unquote purpose is just what are you yourself going through now? And that also comes with a lot of vulnerability because I know I still work through that a lot. You know, me sharing from my past and from my life experience, it means that I have to be vulnerable with every single person that I come across my social media, on podcasts, I have to tell that story first and foremost. Um, so that's, you know, not always easy, but it is also just a really healing process, I think, for all of us who choose it. Yeah, 100%. Because you going through your own mess, I love that your mess becomes your message because going through that, that inspires other people who are also going through it as well. And it helps you to keep you accountable when you share it. It helps you along your healing journey to really accept it and to move past it. So absolutely. I think it's so interesting what you were saying about that you were working 12 hour days while building your side hustle. That's pretty incredible. It's not an easy thing to do. Can you speak into how you started this business while you were working full-time, what that process kind of looked like for you? Yeah. So for me, the actual steps started when I moved to New York in 2017. So I was still working full-time. I was working full-time up until 2020. So it took about those three years of that side gig effort to you know get to the point where I felt secure and just moving forward with my coaching. But I started by really just exploring first with my own health, like what has been helpful to me. I remember there was one trip that I was on, a work trip to Minneapolis um, before 2017 that really kind of sparked everything and sparked my desire to make concrete steps towards leaving the corporate world. I was at a client site and I was feeling so much anxiety. I was alone. So I was in a pretty kind of senior capacity at that time. So I was just on my own with the client, with their group of executives. And I was having a hard time falling asleep. I was having heart palpitations during the day, like at the client site presenting. And I was trying to explain it to my friend at the time. And I have those texts going back to 2016. I found that thread between us and I was explaining to her what I was feeling. And she said, I think you have anxiety. And to that, I literally replied, anxiety, dot, 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 what's that? Um, so it just shows, you know, how far <laughs> we all get to come uh, in our journey and in our experience. So from that trip, I started to experiment with things myself. So meditation and yoga and healthy nutrition, I really wanted to understand like what would help me first and foremost. And all of those things kind of stacked together were so helpful. I took my first yoga class coming out of that trip. Um, I started to meditate, reading all the books, podcasts, documentaries, and things like that. And that really led me on the path to getting my certification. So I started as a yoga teacher. Um, I got certified in New York once I got there. I also got my health coach training at that time as well, which was about a year-long process. And during that time, I started to put together my decks, my coaching program. So I started out, it's funny because my business and my coaching has also evolved so much, but I started uh, just doing basic nutrition coaching, what you would think of, you know, talking about macro and micronutrients, gut health, emotional health as it relates to eating. 
um, to fast forward to today, it looks very different. Um, I'm happy to share that uh, later on as well. But um, yeah, I started to put everything together, started to host events in Central Park. I would host yoga events. I would host uh, uh, different events for women um, and women's health at WeWorks around the city. So just kind of gathering the woman in my circle and sharing what I was learning. It was a really easy way for me to kind of solidify all that information myself. And by the time that I was ready to quit the corporate world, I had that fully developed coaching program that takes someone from, you know, feeling really unhealthy in their eating habits to knowing exactly what to do, how to lose weight and take ownership of this part of their life. So yeah, that's, that was kind of the the initial steps of feeling like I'm ready to leave the corporate world um, in 2020. That's really beautiful. And I think what you mentioned about that, it took you almost three years, you said, to really go from it being a side hustle to building it to where you could leave your corporate job. And I think that a lot of people think that it's going to be just this immediate process, right? They they have this side hustle that they want to take full time and that they're, you know, getting frustrated that six months in, it's not happening sooner. I know I have clients currently that are working on building their side hustles and their ultimate goal is to leave the corporate world, but it takes time, right? To build your, your programs, to build your clients, to build everything. And I think how you just described it, you know, starting with yoga and then getting your health coaching certification and then doing, you know, events in the park and just slowly but surely starting to build yourself up so that you can get to that point. It's not just like it happens immediately, like you start this and then it's ready to go. For sure. And I think I had the exact same impatience uh, when I was approaching making that decision, which for me, that was the three years where I was actually making concrete effort, where I was hosting events and doing outreach to get clients. Um, but from the inception of the idea that I don't want to be in corporate, that was an even longer journey. I mean, that was probably about six or seven years there from when I knew that I wanted to make moves towards something else. I just didn't know how. And so, yeah, that process of Skill acquisition for sure, but also just gaining confidence in yourself. I think we want to give plenty of time for that. We want to be on the path, right? And be making decisions if we know that what we're doing now is not what we want to be doing. But we also don't want to be making really quick decisions um, that aren't well thought out. The way I heard this put that really resonated with me is we don't want to be making decisions out of fear. We want to be making decisions out of courage and feeling well-resourced and well-prepared. And I think that really helped mitigate my anxiety and the rushing around around the process is, you know, really when you're ready to leave, you should know wholeheartedly that it's time. It's still going to feel scary. It's probably never not going to feel scary or have some level of trepidation there but you don't want to be making a decision to leave with no plan, with no runway uh, from which to go forward. I think you really have to have a solid understanding of what that next six months would look like for you um, from when you make the decision to leave. Uh, if you have currently a job that you're not happy with um, to when you feel like you could be really well positioned and on your feet with what you're doing. Um, and that takes some time and skill and preparation. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, having that runway, having 
the understanding of what your future is going to look like, having kind of the backup money so that, you know, if things don't take off immediately, that you have a little bit of a safety net underneath you. There's a lot that goes into the prep work for leaving your corporate job and stepping into your passions full time. But, and I think you said it perfectly. I mean, to take years, right? Years Mm. and years to really get to that point. But if you have the passion for it and you're wanting to follow your bliss, to follow the things that light you up, then it's worth it to take those steps and to wait and to be patient with it. Yeah. And what helped me if anyone's out there listening and they're like, no, but I really need to quit right now. Maybe there is something that is really, you know, something that's not serving someone out there, like a boss who perhaps is really tough or a team that it doesn't feel supportive. Like I know I feel privileged that I didn't have any of those constructs in place, but I know for a lot of people out there, it's not that easy. Um, There's a lot that could be in the way. The reframe that helped me actually that I talked through with my manager at the time, because we were super close, was starting to think of it as my job right now that I show up for from nine to five or more like nine to eight (laughs) in my case, um, it's helping me take those steps. It's helping me save the money, invest in the right resources, go to the right events and get the right coaching and certifications that's eventually going to get me to the place that I want to be. And I think as soon as we adopt that mindset, it gets just a little bit easier because if you have no plan and no vision for what's to come, then showing up for work every day without that plan or vision feels really difficult because it feels like there's no end in sight. So really the goal, I would say the first goal is to get clear on what do you want life to look like? Is there a specific skill set that you want to acquire? And from there, once you get clear on that journal on it, get, you know, start to get resourceful around it. Like what would that look like? Do you need to get another degree or a certification, or do you just need a lot of practice in your community? Once you create that vision and kind of work backwards and take those steps back, showing up for work gets a little bit easier. It's knowing that there is a purpose for why we're showing up for this job now. And then it's helping us create the steps for that future plan. Yep. And I always tell my clients the same thing. This current job, the one that you're in your corporate job is financing your dreams, right? It's financing your dream job. It's giving you the opportunity to pay for the certifications and pay for the resources and giving giving you that cushion to step into your next job. And I love how you phrase that. It's really giving you a sense of purpose to continue and to keep going. Right. Yeah. And like I said too, I think most of us will reach that place where you just know that you're ready. I know that for me, that day was, I want to say it was April 6th. I'm fairly certain it was April 6th, 2020. Now for me, that was also right in the middle of the pandemic. I know that's kind of a, a crazy layer to that whole decision, but it came the point where I don't think I could have shown up for another day <laughs> at my job. And I was really thankful that leading up to that point, I had built up the skills and the resources. And again, still felt scary, still felt uncertain. Um, but it was just that right moment where everything kind of clicked in. And I was like, yes, this is the exact right time to be doing this. Even despite like the craziness of the world at the time, I just felt so certain and grounded in that decision. 
um, leading up to that point. It's like your intuition will just know when it's time. Like this is the point when I'm ready to make the leap. For sure. And that's interesting that you say the word intuition because a lot of my work deals with listening to our intuition, especially as women, because it's our superpower. We have, I believe, a lot more access to our intuitive senses than male companions and counterparts. And it's not something that we often tap into and use as a resource. So I think that's a really interesting thing to highlight is, you know, and there's steps and ways that you can rebuild our connection with our intuition. Cause I get that many of us feel really disconnected to our intuitive sense. Um, I promise you, I was there as well back in corporate and I'm on the other side of that. I love to check in with myself. I love to listen to the cues that my body is sending. I love to listen to what feels like a yes and a no in my body. And so I would also, you know, if someone is listening and they feel like they're struggling or they have a difficult time making decisions, maybe any decisions in life, right? It's tapping back in with our intuition, rebuilding that sense of trust in our body that I think is so beautiful um, to see women go through that journey because it is a superpower and we can all access it, even if it's felt inaccessible for a while. Yeah. Can you speak to how your work as a breathwork facilitator and as a yoga teacher and all of these different modalities, how you help women to you know reconnect with their intuition, to overcome burnout, to really help them in the ways that you help? Yeah. So today I love to focus on coaching women who are in the corporate world, who are experiencing burnout or chronic stress, or just feel like they're not in that right place where they want to be. Um, And that could present in a number of different ways, right? Not all of us want to leave the corporate world. Not all of us want to start something of our own. So I think it's beautiful to walk the path with someone on that journey of, okay, what does my ideal situation in life look like if that's not what I currently have? And so I use tools like mindfulness and breath work, among other things, although those are have become the primary ones over the past couple of years, just because I think that the breath is such an important primary and accessible way for all of us to use for nervous system regulation, to rebuild that connection with our body and so many other things for mental health, emotional health. Um, Because when we think about it, as soon as you learn the right tools around the process of breathing, how to breathe, different breath practices, you don't have to pay for anything pretty much ever again, unless you want the support of someone there with you. But the breath is always there. It's always accessible. It's always right under our nose. And it's something that we're already doing 100% of our life. It's just that what I see happen in a lot of my clients and myself formerly is that we're in what I call dysfunctional breathing patterns. That means that we are breathing in a way that actually promotes stress. So over time, being in, again, stressful situations, working on our laptop, not being seated in the best way possible, or just shallowly breathing, being stuck in traffic, All of that kind of accumulates to create a picture of that dysfunctional, dysregulated breathing in the body. And that means that when stress happens, not only are we not undoing it, but we might actually be promoting it. So we're breathing in a way that confirms stress in the body. And so that's a big part of my work is rebuilding back to optimal breathing patterns for people. 
just that alone, I think could take someone as far as like 50% of the way on their healing journey from stress is just noticing the breath, how we're breathing and what ways we can intervene and change things about that we're breathing about how we're breathing in the moment. So when you're on the Zoom call, when you're in the stressful meeting, exactly the things that I wish I had back with me on that work trip that I had no idea. I'm sure I was hyperventilating and breathing in a way that was just causing more anxiety to happen in my body and then just trying to fall asleep at the end of the day without any sort of down regulation of the nervous system. So I love helping my clients work through those types of practices and steps that are going to help them rebuild back towards our optimal belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing capacity, um, which again is possible for everyone. And with the intuition piece, so the simplest step to starting to rebuild your connection with your intuition is to start to have a conversation with the body is to check in more with the body and just to become more aware of what's going on below the neck. My yoga teacher back in New York, when I was getting my training said this to me and it stuck with me forever because you will probably notice it all around you now, but we live life from the neck up. That means that we are constantly on our phone, we're looking down at the phone or at the screen or just at our palms looking at a phone and we're not checking in with what's going on below the neck. So people often avoid hunger cues or skip meals when we're rushing around and being so busy. We don't give ourselves space for mindfulness or deep breaths. I often hear from my clients, you know, I notice myself holding the breath a lot or it's difficult for me to take a deep breath, or it's difficult for me to take a long exhale. All of these are clues that the body is sending that we often choose to either ignore when they come up, or we just don't have the tools and skills to even know how to discern that or what it means. Um, So I think the very first step is just starting to, on a daily basis, honor what your body is telling you, give yourself plenty of water breaks, give yourself a bathroom break exactly when you need it, right? That was another thing is just always just suppressing whatever the body wants. It's, you know, just living life from the mind. You know, we have stuff that needs to get done and that's the only thing that we're going to worry about. Um, So I think that's the first step is reversing that direction, like dropping out of just living in our brain and thinking about what's next and dropping into the present moment and listening to what the body needs in this moment right now. It's so interesting to me how powerful the breath can be, right? Like we're never taught how to breathe or how to focus on our breath or how to regulate our nervous systems, right? Everything is go, 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 be productive, get your degree, get your job, climb the ladder, work as hard as you can. If it takes, you know, your eight to 7 PM, eight to 8 PM, like it doesn't matter. You know, it's everything is kind of this really big focus on just achieving and progressing and it's so important for us to take time to focus on our body. And what you said about the neck down, you're right. I, we just focus on you know, what's in front of us on our screens and not very often on what our bodies actually need. And it's just crazy to me how powerful just focusing on your breath can be. Yeah. The breath is 
our greatest teacher, if we allow it to be. (laughs) And that's again, you know, about being open to these new ways of healing and growing. It's not all about that mind-based work and busyness and productivity that comes at the expense of ourselves. I think it's so important to check in with yourself along this journey of building towards something different or creating a side gig, whatever that looks like for everyone. We have to be taking care of ourselves as we go along. I can't tell you how many clients I've had who start to reach for help or new tools when they reach that place of rock bottom, whether it's a hospital visit or a chronic condition that's developed or just a full and total like burnout shutdown of the body and various systems. It's like when you hear someone land in the hospital when they're seemingly so healthy and are doing so much. And the question is like, well, didn't you see that coming? No, many of us don't. And we don't realize that there's a point that all of us reach. Maybe that threshold is farther along for some of us than others. But I see this come up so much, especially with women in the areas like fertility, for example, where we might not be checking in with that, getting our blood work done, eating nutritious meals three times a day, every day, hopefully, um, and not really paying attention to this while we prioritize so many other things like our career. And then there comes that point where we get some sort of bad news or something happens, and then we have to actually overcome being in that place. So I just wish that more of us, you know, used these tools like mindfulness, like breath work, like the beautiful work that you do with sound and helping our nervous system just drop out of that fight or flight state every so often so that we can fully recover. So that doesn't continue to happen for so many of us. Right. And I do think, I don't know if you've noticed this in your work, but I do think there is more of an awareness of it now, especially since the pandemic, since mental health has really become this really foremost important thing in our lives. People are focusing more and more on their mental health and meditation and breath work and mindfulness. It is becoming more, I guess, mainstream, you could say. Whereas before the pandemic, I would say it's definitely wasn't as well known or accepted. Do you notice that shift at all? Yeah, I think that has been one really great thing that has come out of the past three years, as difficult as they have been. Yeah, I'm not sure when even the term breathwork has become as familiar and as popular as it is now, although I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. And just really also, well, two things. First, I think that people are much more open to doing this type of work. I do at the same time see it still being a little bit more of a luxury as opposed to a necessity. So I think we're doing, we're taking the right steps there. Um, And I would love for it to really be acceptable more and more and even complementary to other medical providers, to therapy. I would love that to be a more complementary package, add-ons, right? Things like that. I think that's a big Um, still barrier in my work is that a lot of what I do can be seen in the same realm as therapy. And some of my breathwork programs, I do call them breath therapy, not to be confused with talk therapy, but it's therapy through the breath. 
And one of my biggest barriers there is that I don't accept insurance. And that's not something that I think any insurance provider accepts still at this point. And so I would love to see more of that evolve. Um, And I love collaborating when I have an opportunity to collaborate with my clients, therapists, if they are open to that, or just really understanding what my clients are working on in therapy and how I can complement that. So I love that the creation and the idea of creation of more of these relationships between different providers for people. And then the next step is just recognizing how many of these practices like mindfulness and breath work, they have such a profound effect on the medical conditions in the body. So one big one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is cardiovascular health and high blood pressure. I just recently know someone who's close to me and a really good friend of mine who ended up in the hospital in the ER. Um, He's in his early 30s. And that's just something that came about as a result of chronic high blood pressure caused by stress for years and years. Um, In this case, in his case, I think it was probably close to a decade of that being just something he was living with for such a long time. And the breath has a profound impact in lowering arresting heart rate in lowering the pressure on the heart. So the heart isn't working as hard and resolving so many issues downstream from that. So there is breath work that is helpful for more of the emotional and stress release. Um, I guide that as well. And it's a beautiful practice and breath work also means knowing really simple deep breath techniques that could help someone manage stress throughout the day. So it doesn't have to be this big, long, really emotional, kind of even like a spiritual practice. It could just be simple steps that we take throughout the day, maybe three times a day. We take time away for a simple breath practice. Um, If you're curious what that might look like, my favorite one to offer is just breathing in for five seconds and breathing out for five seconds. That's called coherent breathing. That means we're breathing at a rate of six breaths per minute. And that has been scientifically shown, measured and studied in medical settings so many times over now to have a profound effect on our heart rate. So it starts to lower the resting heart rate and it has positive impacts on what's called heart rate variability. Not to get too deep into that, but it's another really important marker for how healthy our body is, how healthy our heart is, which is so important for both men and women for longevity. So interesting to me, just how our minds and our breath can just affect us in such a profound way. What other tools could you recommend for someone to utilize to reduce stress or to lower their heart rate if they are feeling that constant stress, that sense of burnout in their lives? Yeah. And real quick, just something you said there, I think is so important to go back to is that our mind plays such a role in the stress that we feel. And I think this is such a profound part and another quote kind of from stress research and stress physiology is that we're the only animal on the planet that can stress ourselves out through thought alone. No other animal has that capacity, right? That's a part of our very evolved brain. Um, For most animals, there has to be well, all animals, there has to be an actual threat in the environment, right? Like a predator approaching them that will create stress and that feeling of wanting to run away. They're not going to have a thought or use their imagination to come up with, you know, thinking about next year's tax time and then start to stress themselves out in the present moment. We are the only ones who have that capacity. 
And I think that's so important to recognize, you know, where are we contributing to our own stress? Where are we actually the main player in that picture of how much stress we feel? Sure, there's so many external factors outside of our control, like taxes, like our boss, like traffic. We can't necessarily control those. But where are we also perpetuating that cycle of stress through our thought and through our environment and, you know, just the conversations we have daily, so many things that are within our control there. And to answer your question around additional tools to help manage what we might be noticing through stress. So the most important skill, and I think of it as a skill, because I think it's important to recognize that a lot of these tools when we think of them as skills that we're acquiring, that's where they start to become a little bit less of a luxury and a little bit more of a necessity. Like it's a skill to be breathing for relaxation. It's a skill to know how to manage your stress. That's going to help you become a more, uh, a better partner, a better leader at work, a better entrepreneur. So many things start to unfold when we become better at knowing how to regulate our physical and emotional state. So the skill that I would share with everyone is just that deep diaphragmatic belly breathing. So let me explain, because I know a lot of people might be familiar with belly breathing from yoga practice, but then what tends to happen is we're only deep breathing and diaphragmatic breathing at the end of a yoga class and not in daily living. And we really want to start using that throughout the day. So one of the first things that I do with my clients is I ask them to show me what a deep breath looks like in their body. And most of the time, what I notice moving the most is their chest. So I actually look at their torso and at what's doing most of the work. Is it that upper body, the up to the clavicles, the muscles across our chest, or is it their middle of the torso, the solar plexus area, and the belly? I would say 99% of people living in today's world, I don't care how much yoga you've done, day to day, we are using our chest to breathe. So what that looks like is we're trying to inhale deep, but we're trying to inhale by lifting the heart forward, up to the clavicles, the chest bone. And so this upper part, the shoulders are what's moving. What we want to do is actually reverse that. And we want to start having most of the movement with our inhale and exhale come from our lower torso. So starting at the solar plexus area, right below the rib cage and all the way down below the belly button. So we want to start to use all of the muscles here, as well as at the sides of our ribs and the sides of our um, abdominals. So like almost like our oblique muscles to breathe. We want to reverse that process. What happens when we breathe into our chest is there's a number of reasons why that's problematic. I think one important and interesting reason is that when we use just the upper lobes of our lungs, we're not actually activating our relaxation response. So when we're able to use our entire lungs and especially the lower parts of our lungs, we're actually connecting with the relaxation response from the standpoint of the nervous system. So the lower lobes of the lungs are actually the more efficient part of uh, the breathing process. And when we breathe with our diaphragm and with the lower lungs, we're activating the relaxation response in the body through the vagus nerve and through the parasympathetic nervous system. So our nerves are actually responding to the way that we breathe in every moment. Um, not to mention that that shallow breathing into the chest often results in really short breaths, 
We're not breathing deeply in an expansive way. So reversing that direction, you can even look at yourself in the mirror, whether you're seated or standing and just notice like without changing too much about what feels natural for you, try and take a deep breath and notice what's moving. And from there, reversing it is as simple as just starting to think about in your mind's eye and holding the intention of breathing by filling up the lower belly, the lower belly, the upper belly, the space around the rib cage. We want that to start to move. Sometimes it's helpful to place palms around the belly button. And it's not that you want to press the belly out. You just want to think about with the palms there gently releasing and relaxing the belly into the palms so that every single time you inhale, that lower belly area relaxes and expands out. That means that the lungs are filling up fully. That's why that expansion happens is in order for the lungs to expand fully. We have to gently move the digestive organs kind of out of the way there. That's why it feels like there's an expansion happening. Um, So you never want to force this. You just want to allow and invite relaxation into this part of the body. And through that, just remember, it's going to feel a lot more expansive in the lungs and you're going to start to feel more relaxed this way uh, when you breathe in this way because of that nervous system response. So activating the relaxation part of the nervous system. It is really interesting when I catch myself just working on a normal day, just sitting at my computer, sometimes I'll be like, wow, was I just holding my breath for the last, you know, 10 seconds? Was I just really shallow breathing? And it is just something that I notice about myself is it's kind of just like a natural response, especially when I'm stressed out and I have a lot to do and a lot of things on my mind, my breath gets very, very shallow. So is that something that over time with these exercises, you're looking to reverse so that you start to naturally breathe more fully? Yeah. So what we want to work towards is that breath length. So five breaths in, five breaths out. Now I will say that that is kind of an aspirational place to get to. So most Americans, most of us who are stressed out and, you know, doing so many things, The typical breathing rate for most Americans is somewhere around 20 to 25 breaths a minute. So what we're working towards through different breath practices is six breaths a minute. So that's a pretty big gap. And that's why I say that six breaths a minute, yes, it might sound really tough. It might sound, again, aspirational. Any amount closer to six breaths a minute is what we want to get to. So if you get from 20 to 17 over time, that's great, right? Can we get to 16 breaths a minute? Can we start to notice more and more of that regulated, calm breathing for as long of the day and night as possible? That's what we want to work towards. Um, Those with chronic conditions like asthma could be breathing as many as 40 breaths a minute. So again, there's a lot of variance and a lot of room for improvement for all of us. Um, If you have any sort of wearable devices, I think the Apple Watch now measures it too. I have the Aura Ring. Some of my friends have the Whoop Band. Um, There's so many different ways to measure this now. I know it's an investment, but if you don't know what your breathing rate is, you can just count it out for yourself. You can for sure just, you know, it might be easier to have someone help you with this and have them keep the time because it's really hard to do it yourself and not modify how much you're breathing. 
but just counting how many breaths a minute you take right now and what's typical for you. What's the inhale length? What's the exhale length? And then just slowly over time through things like the diaphragmatic breath, through putting maybe five minutes on a timer and trying that five breaths in, five breaths out, or five second inhale, five second exhale. Um, that's a great practice to try. Um, so yeah, just any amount of improvement is going to translate to how much stress you're noticing, how triggered you feel, how easily you get triggered. Um, the way that we breathe is just a signal for all of those other things. If we are breathing shallowly, if we're taking dozens of breaths a minute, we're probably someone who feels really on edge, who is easily triggered versus if you are someone who feels really comfortable in a calm, regulated breathing pattern, you breathe easy, you breathe deep throughout the day, you're probably someone who feels like there's a lot of distance between you and your triggers and it just feels a lot more, you know, a lot more ease in getting through the workday and just anything else that comes up in life. Oh, I just, I love this. It's, I could totally nerd out about this all day. It is just so interesting how, how powerful it is. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, these skills are a necessity. They're not a luxury. It's something that everyone needs to know how to do these things. Like I just wish that it was taught to us when we're younger or in the workplace, it was something that was more, you know, commonplace for people to know how to, how to do. But I think with the work that you're doing, especially like, you know, people like you, we're really grateful that you're making this become, you know, more accessible in the workplace and beyond and really helping people to not just feel less stressed, but literally to live happier and better lives. Yeah. It's been just one of the best things that I've learned. That's where I said, you know, my journey has evolved quite a bit in my coaching from just that nutrition coaching to really what I do now is more focused around mental and emotional health. There's a number of different tools that I offer around like the emotional process and working with our emotions and through our emotions, using breath as one guide there and one option. But I really landed in the space of using the breath as much as I do now with my clients, because I think it's, again, it's so important. It's such a huge marker for what's going on in our life. Um, the way that you can measure this is uh, I have a breathwork course um, that I'm happy to you know share. Um, it's available on my website. One of the simple tests you can also do. So the one that I just talked through was how many breaths a minute do you take? And that usually reflects your stress level in life. Another one is the length of your exhale. So this is also something that's pretty simple. You can just time yourself taking a regular breath in, a regular breath out, another breath in. And then with the exhale, just letting yourself exhale for as long as feels comfortable. Again, not trying to like strain or force anything there, but just taking a regular exhale and noticing what that length is like for you now. There, we would be working towards an exhale of somewhere beyond like 30, 40 seconds, maybe 45 seconds would be, again, really aspirational. So any amount towards that point would be great. But you see that change so quickly. So my example is my current exhale rate is probably around 40 seconds or so. Um, and I've been doing this work for years at this point, but it changes so quickly. So I had a red eye flight a couple months ago and I just decided for fun to see how I'm doing um, on my layover after the red eye. 
And my exhale test was like seven seconds. And that is, you know, it just goes to show how much our body adapts to the inputs that we give it, right? Both in the positive and the negative direction and how the breath is such a, yeah, just that marker for how are we feeling internally? This could be a really important you know, test for someone to do and then to keep track of as you maybe implement some more stress management tools, some breathwork tools into your day and seeing how that window of tolerance expands. So maybe right now you'll do this and you'll notice that you're at a 10 second exhale or a 15 second exhale, seeing that expand and evolve to maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It's such a great way to keep yourself accountable to how your stress management practices are going. And also just a great way to kind of, you know, we go to the doctor and we take our pulse, they measure our vitals. This could be another great way to have a concrete data point to measure when you implement any sort of mindfulness, breath work, any other ways that you're going to support yourself. It's just seeing how that tolerance expands. I love that. And it also gives you a really tangible kind of anchor to gauge how your practice is going. Cause in a lot of this stuff, you know, you can't necessarily like you can tell yourself, but there's no like actual, you know, like weight loss, you'd have, you know, inches, you can actually see, you can weigh yourself. There's different ways to get an actual tangible proof of work. And that's kind of an interesting way. I like that seeing how fought long your exhale is to really give yourself a gauge of how stressed you are and, and how well these practices are working and and you're implementing them into your life. Yeah. It's also interesting backing up some of the things that you're going to change about your lifestyle with data can be really helpful because I have a lot of clients who, if I ask them, what's your stress level? They're like, yeah, it's, it's an eight or nine. Like I feel really stressed right now. There's a lot of challenges happening. It's a no brainer. I feel a lot of stress versus some people, especially some women you know, especially busy moms or someone who is in that really giving capacity and kind of giving a lot to others and not a lot to ourselves. We get into this place of kind of like denying how much stress we're under. And so you might say, you know, I don't think I'm doing that badly. I'm maybe like a five or six. So then it's like, okay, well, let's check. How are you breathing? Where are you breathing? How are you taking in the breath? Is it deep or is it shallow? What's your exhale like? And a lot of times those things will kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting how women, I think sometimes we are almost taught to suppress things like that. Like, well, we can't, we can't show that we're stressed. We can't show that we're overworked. Like we have to go, go, go and show up for everyone else and give to our families and to our partners and show up a hundred percent and everything. And I wonder, is do you think that that's something that happens more with women than with men? I love that you mentioned specifically the word suppress, because one of the more common things that I hear from someone when I just start working with them is, especially women, is it's hard for me to take a deep breath. It's that feeling of, you know, the breath just ends after like three seconds and we literally cannot take any more in. And that also comes from holding our belly in, right? That feeling and stress response of holding things in, tightening the core constantly, 
pushing things back inside, um, not wanting to take deep breaths or let the abdomen expand. Um, a lot of that shows up so much. And I think just that simple thought of, you know, does it feel comfortable for you to take a deep breath in on a more energetic level? What that shows up as is how do you feel about receiving, right? How do you feel about receiving support? How do you feel about receiving really anything in life from your partner, from your kids, from your team? Do you allow that? Or is that something that feels really difficult and constricted? Because again, that often shows up in how we're breathing. And on that, you know, maybe a little bit more of an esoteric, but also energetic and emotional level, when we don't give ourselves full deep breaths, when we need them throughout the day, we probably are also someone who really struggles with receiving support, nourishment, perhaps abundance, whatever that might be for you. Um, But that's where now we're going from the more functional breathing to that more releasing breathing of how can the breath be a tool for emotional release and for allowing the expression of things that have been suppressed for a really long time. That is so interesting. And I totally, totally resonate with that. And I think it's interesting what you said too, about like pushing our bellies out. Like it's something that we, as women really don't do, we're taught always, you know, suck it in or hold it in. And I think a lot of men have kind of coined the breathwork term. I do see a lot of male presence in the space. Think like Wim Hof and there's a lot of different really strong male presence in the breathing space. And so I think it's so important that we have female leaders in this space to help women specifically, because I do think it is different for us. And yeah, it's just so interesting how that differs between us. Yeah. And if this is sparking anyone's interest, what I would invite everyone to do that is really simple, low-hanging fruit, in addition to the belly breathing and that five-second breath in, five-second breath out, is to keep a breath journal. And if you already journal, you can add in a breath component to your journal. But just checking in, like the start of this could be just what do I notice about how I breathe right now? When stressful events happen, notice in that moment how you're breathing. And the switch, the simplest switch, you don't have to remember a whole lot of tools or anything like that. It's just when stress happens, you notice how you're breathing. It's probably going to be shallow and fast and in the chest. And so the reversal is just taking a few seconds to breathe into the belly, maybe place palms around the belly button, breathe into that space to again, reverse the direction. Where is the breath coming in? And then, yeah, that breath journal, notice how you're breathing in the morning Notice how you're breathing throughout the day. How are you breathing when you're about to wind down at night? Notice how you're breathing when you are with friends and family or with your kids, with your pet, when you're feeling relaxed. So start taking those snapshots. So if you notice yourself out for a walk with your dog and you're feeling great and you're so, you know, feeling relaxed, notice how you're breathing in that moment so that you can connect back with more of breathing that way and those feelings and less uh, that association with the shallow breaths and the sucking in the belly, that type of breathing throughout the day. So keeping a breath journal and yeah, that allowing of the expansion in the belly, there is so much conditioning and imagery and all sorts of things that we absorb from such a young age about how we are supposed to look like, especially in our abdominal area. 
Um, and so reversing that is also going to take a little bit of time. And again, remember, this is not about pushing anything out or inflating the belly. It's just allowing the breath to drop all the way down to the lower belly and breathing with this space. It's going to be a gentle movement, but you for sure want to notice that desire to tighten the core 100% of the day, to look a certain way, and just notice where that might be coming at the expense of your emotional health in those moments. Oh, this is so good. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of these incredible little nuggets and tools and different strategies. This has been honestly so amazing. And I love what you said too about the the journal and the snapshot. I always say that in my meditation classes is that you can come back to this feeling at any time, right? Like this is you, it's not me. This is you focusing on yourself and taking time to slow down and breathe. And this really is accessible to you anytime, anywhere. It's just your choice to go back and utilize these skills and these tools in your everyday life. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Remembering that, you know, mentioning all of the male teachers in the breathwork space and just anyone else that we come across or read a book by or anything like that. What I love about the breath is that nothing is trademarked, <laughs> even where some terms might be trademarked, but this is the process of breathing. It is something that has been with us from the very beginning of our evolution. It's going to be with us until the very end. So these are things that are accessible to all of us. They're always there. They're always abundant. We're never going to run out, right? It's, I love thinking about that. We are born in a place that is 100% abundant and the one thing that we need for our survival the most. We can't live without the breath, even for minutes, and it's always going to be there to support us. So yeah, get familiar with this. It's such an amazing skill. It's such an amazing toolkit to become a better parent, a better leader, a better friend, and just to feel good in your body. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone wanted to take a class with you or connect with you, do you have any events coming up? Can you share how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, so Instagram and my website are the best places. Those are always up to date with the latest events that I have coming up. So my Instagram is some of all positive. That's S U M of all positive, just with no spaces. And then my website is someofallpositive.com. On my website, you'll see the link to my courses. So the meditation and the breathwork course are available there. They're super easy, low-cost ways to get familiar with this work. Um, there's also a place to book a dedicated one-on-one -on -one breathwork session with me. And I do have women's circles that I run virtually. Um, so those happen monthly, um, depending on when this airs. Um, my next one is September 14th in the evening, but they are monthly. So I'll post about them both on my site and on my Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been amazing. I've learned so much and I can tell that you are just so passionate about this and it's really just been such an honor to chat with you today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And if this interested anyone, just please feel free to reach out. You are right that I love doing this work because it's exactly what I needed when I was in that point of not being sure where to go next or what to do or what my next steps are. So I think 
connecting with yourself and learning some of these tools are some just amazing ways to support yourself. And thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Blissful Soul Podcast. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and leave a review. And if you know of anyone who would benefit from this podcast, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. If you're looking to connect further, join my community on Instagram. You can find me at Hey Stephanie Weber. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again for listening. I'm sending you so much love and I'll see you in the next episode.